Blog Talk Radio. Cowboy. Cowboy. Well, I'm packing up my game and I'm going head out west Where real women come equipped with scripts and fake Find a nest in the hills, chill like Flint Buy an old drop top, find a rock for Then I'm a kid, rock it up and down your block But with a bottle of scotch and watch lots of Buy a yacht with a flag, say you're chilling the most Then rock that bitch up and down the coast Give a toast to the sun, drink with the stars Get thrown in the mix and tossed out of
celebrates its 60th anniversary in 2020 with the new Spring Race Day, March 13th through the 15th, with enhanced camping experiences, grandstand improvements, and so much more, all backed by the perfect weather guarantee. Get two races for the price of one with the Xfinity Series and Gander Outdoor Truck Series doubleheader on Saturday, while grandstand tickets for Sunday's Bulls of Honor Quick Trip 500 start at just $39, plus kids' tickets are only $10. Online at AtlantaMotorSpeedway.com. This is NASCAR driver Brad Keselowski, and you're listening to the Pit Stop Radio. from Dega Nation. Uh, we're back again. I'm Tim the Saint. Uh, Stephen Wilson has even off. I'm alongside of Matt Nicholson. This spring, but Matt is a PA announcer here at Tyler Super Speedway, Homestead, Miami Speedway, Richmond, Darlington, just to name them all. Let's bring Matt in to the pit stop with Tim Despain and Tim and Suzanne Despain as Stephen's out. Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to the main event. Let's get ready to rumble. That was just for you there, Matt Nicholson. How you doing tonight, brother? <laughs> doing good, Tim. How are y'all? Doing good. And uh, just to let our listeners know, like I said there right before I brought you in, you're the PA announcer here at Tyler Super Speedway, Homestead Miami Speedway, Richmond, and Darlington. Is there any other tracks that you PA announce? Also, no, that those are the only four that we have right now. But at the rate we're going, we're expecting the unexpected in 2020 because 2020 was just an unbelievable year for myself and Steve West that I co-hosted with on 92.7 with for our radio show and. It's just unreal. We're expecting the unexpected this year, honestly. That's awesome, brother. That that's awesome. And while we're talking about that, uh, you mentioned uh-huh. the uh, championship radio network there on uh, on Thunder ninety two seven. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. And when 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 do y'all air? I think it's Saturday mornings. Am I right, Matt? Yes, Saturday mornings from seven a.m. to nine a.m. on uh, WTDR ninety two seven. Uh, our show, we cover all three top levels of NASCAR, all the way down through NHRA, IndyCar, Formula One, Formula E, uh, ARCA. And sometimes we'll venture off into the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Series as well. That sounds good. Where do you, where do you find time? I know you and I have uh, spoken on n- numerous occasions. You know, you work a full-time oh, yeah. job. I work a full-time job. I mean, it's just it's hard to work it in, but uh, – you you remind me a lot of me, Matt. I mean, you know, you work your tail <laughs> off, and then when you come in from work, yeah. you do what you love, and that and that's talking that's NASCAR right. race. That's that's right. You know, the job I've got where I work at in Oxford it, uh, for a Harris agency, the, the branch of Liberty National, it allows me the freedom. You know, and with the flexibility I have there, it allows me the freedom to be able to go travel and be a part of the sport that I love to be a part of, and 
you know, starting out in 2017 when, you know, Steve helped me get in with Russell at the track at Talladega and, uh, you know, filling in that one race, it just, it took off from there. And then next thing you know, 2009, uh, 2018, uh, we get the call, we're going to Darlington. And then 2019, we know we've got Talladega and Darlington locked. And then I don't know where we get Richmond. And then next thing you know, we blink our eyes and we're going to cover four championship weekend in Homestead, Miami last year. That's awesome, brother. And uh, talk a little bit yeah. about, about four championship weekend. You know, uh, I know that that was your first time down there. Uh, I've, I've been down there prior to that. That, that was my second trip. It's sort of neat whenever you fly out of Atlanta and it's sleeting here and you get down there and it's 85 degrees, ain't it, brother? That's just, they ain't seen nothing uh, like it. Yeah, it was kind of, it was interesting, no doubt, you know. When I, I, I shot, Steve had beat me down there that day by several, several hours. And I sent him a message. I said, you won't be able to miss me. I've got a New England Patriots pullover on, a Tampa Bay Devil Rays hat on, and a pair of Under Armour sweatpants. He said, well, get ready to shed that pullover quick because it's hot down here. And I thought, lovely. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Let me let everybody know. The number to call in is 215-383-3681. Again, I'm Tim Spain alongside of Matt Nicholson from the Championship Radio Network. He does. They, he, he is. He's just really awesome. I want to thank him for coming in tonight, and our prayers are go out to Stephen Wilson after he's uh, he's had he's had a little bit of surgery. I can't say what it is, you know, as far as medical, you know, whatever whatever that law is there. But like I said, yeah. number call is two one five three eight three thirty six eighty one. Matt, let's talk a little bit about Ryan Newman. I know last week Stephen yeah. and I talked about it, uh, and then uh-huh. it was just we didn't really get a real big update until that Wednesday. Wednesday, we started seeing pictures where he was up and walking, and all of a sudden, a couple uh-huh. of hours later, uh, Ralph Fenway sent us a note and said he, and I seen the I seen the pictures in the video, he walked out of Halifax Hospital there in Daytona and Daytona, Florida, hand in hand with his girls. I mean, that's just that's yeah. a miraculous deal there with the way NASCAR has got these cars set up now with the safety. I mean, that's just unreal, isn't it? I, I couldn't agree with you more. It, it was, to me personally, it's mind-blowing because, you know, my background that I have in dirt racing, that I've raced for many, many years. Immediately when that car got hit, like it got hit going across the start-finish line, and I saw how the car hit and how it catapulted into the air, my, let's just say, my stomach got real, real uneasy, and I got, literally got nauseous. And I thought, this, this cannot be good. It cannot be good. Well, then seeing how he was cut out of the car and how they had to extract him, I'm thinking, you know, the driver in me, you know, I was saying, hey, I'm I'm fearing the worst here. This is this is not going to be a good result. And then luckily at 10 p.m. that uh, 10 p.m. Eastern that night, you know, Steve O'Donnell gave the update that uh, you know, he had serious injuries and was in serious condition, but it was non-life threatening. And I just, you know, with me in the collective motorsports world, we all exhaled a sigh of relief going, okay, this is outstanding and absolutely outstanding. But, you know, seeing him walk out of that hospital less than 48 hours after that crash and walk out pretty easily was absolutely remarkable, like you said. Exactly. I I thought the same thing whenever that happened. Uh, man, I was just, I was like, oh, God, because the way it hit, it was just the stars lined up. I yeah, know, not in a good way, but in a bad way for the way Corey the Joy yeah. hit hit 
uh, Newman right there in the driver's side right there at the eighth post and all that. But, Matt, let's listen yeah. to it. We, uh, uh, Steve's statement at Las mm-hmm. Vegas Motor Speedway this past and uh, he actually read off Ryan Newman's statement that, that Ryan wanted yeah. him to read off. And Ryan apologized for not being at the track. And that means a lot. But uh, this, I want to listen to this whole statement if I can, Matt. So uh, it's fine. like a, like eight minutes long. Well, the whole thing is 20 minutes. But I just want to listen to the statement. We won't get into the questions. And we're going to play this. This is right. uh, Steve Demar at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And I'm going to put you on mute. We'll come right back. All right. Uh, what, what Steve will do is read a uh, short statement from Ryan, and then he'll be available for questions. So. I appreciate all of you guys being here today. Um, Ryan apologizes for not being able to be here, but he did, uh, he did prepare a statement, so if you'll bear with me, I'll, I'll, I'll read through it. I'm sorry that I can't be at the track in person, but I asked Steve to take a moment to express my sincere appreciation and gratitude for all the support that was shown last week to both me and my family. The outpouring of emotion from not only the NASCAR community, but across the country has been truly humbling. I want to personally thank everyone, including the man upstairs, for their support, encouragement, and the numerous offers of assistance. We always say that the NASCAR community is one big family, and never has that been more evident to me than after seeing this family rally together and provide the comfort and support that has been shown to my family and me over the past few days. The calls and visits from the NASCAR executives and my friends and competitors have been truly uplifting. I want to thank everyone involved in my care, especially the staff at Halifax Medical Center, where I'm convinced I receive the best care available. I'm confident the efforts of each of those trained professionals played a major role in where I'm sitting today. And to the entire NASCAR organization, led by Jim France, thanks for being by my side the entire time. You truly stepped up to support me unconditionally when it mattered most. Most importantly, I have to thank the guys back at the Roush Fenway Racing Shop that built me a car not only fast enough to lead the final seconds of the Daytona 500, but strong enough to do its job under great distress, allowing me to survive such an accident. I am truly indebted to each of you, and it is unlikely I will ever be able to properly express to you how much the diligent effort with which you conduct your craftsmanship has affected me and my family. I hope you took pride in the photograph of me walking out of the hospital hand-in-hand with my daughters on Wednesday. Thank you. I can't wait to get back in your race car. I was fortunate to avoid any internal organ damage or broken bones. I did sustain a head injury for which I'm currently being treated. The doctors have been pleased with my progression over the last few days. Again, I want to thank each of you, from my partners, teammates, and competitors, and each and every fan across the country. Thank you, everyone, for the unparalleled concern and unwavering support, and to the media who has acted with such respect and class during this time. I've spoken with Jack Roush, and he has assured me that the number six car will be waiting and ready for my return. I'm looking forward to getting behind the wheel and battling for another race win in the Roush Fenway Ford, Ryan Newman. So I also spoke to Ryan uh, just before I came on here, and in talking to him, he wanted to reiterate to me again that his goals for this year haven't changed. His objective is to, to win the 2020 Cup Championship. So hopefully that gives you a little insight into his, into his mindset. Um, I will take questions in a minute. What, I, what I'd like to do now is give you a little perspective uh, from, from Roush Fenway. So I'm going to piggyback a little on the themes that Ryan touched upon in his statement. Probably have a little repetition, but I think that's probably appropriate based on the support that we've received over the last few days. So I think everybody understands that 
you know, the events of Monday and the days that followed, it was really a, kind of a surreal experience for the entire Roush Fenway organization and probably kind of fit right in the definition of an, emolar, an emotional roller coaster. You know, we went from what we thought was seconds away from winning the Daytona 500 with Ryan, locking into the playoffs, and also having our other car, the 17 Fastenal Ford, finish fourth in Chris Busch's first race with us. It was looking like it was going to be a storybook race for us and a great start to the season. And all that changed in an instant, and we go from not caring about the race, not caring about the competition. In fact, I'm not sure that we knew who had actually won the race until a few hours later because the whole focus was on Ryan's safety and well-being. And when you see a teammate and a, fa uh, a friend and part of your family in that situation. Um, so during that process, obviously, Ryan, Ryan mentioned the, the gratitude he had towards the Halifax Medical Center. Uh, also want to recognize another group that was an anchor to us during the entire time, and that's the NASCAR leadership team. When we arrived at the hospital that night, NASCAR with Matt Humphrey was already there coordinating logistics. And then during that entire period, so that evening and the days that followed, Jim France, Lisa France, Mike Helton, Steve Phelps, Steve O'Donnell, and Eric Nyquist, and Ben Kennedy were either there at the hospital or providing support in whatever way that we needed. And I know that really lifted the spirits of Ryan's family and our entire team to see that. And I think it speaks to the caliber of people that they are when you look at the lengths that they went to support us and also gives us a lot of faith about that we're in pretty good hands, pretty good hands going forward. For the Roush Fenway organization, it was a pretty agonizing few days, obviously a brutal period that night as we had a lot of our team, team members down at the end of Pitt Road, just feet from where the, the accident finished. And there was obviously a lot of uncertainty at that point. And I can tell you to a person on the corporate side and the competition side, there wasn't a single one at Roush Fenway that actually wanted to go home that night. Uh, in fact, if we had acquiesced to their wishes, they would have camped out at the hospital waiting until they could actually see Ryan with their own two eyes. Thankfully, they kind of relented and reluctantly went back because we still had a job to do. And it was a pretty Herculean task for that organization this, this week. What we had is a short week to get to the West Coast because of the rain delay, and then we also had the uncertainty of who was going to drive the sixth car, how do you upfit it, how do you get the right seat in that. And so they flew home that night. We're back in the shop at 6.30 a.m. Tuesday morning, and then we actually worked 20, basically 24-hour shifts so we could be here. And I think the, the results speak for themselves and that we feel like we've got two pretty fast race cars, and it's a, a tremendous testament to the effort, the work ethic, and the passion that that whole group showed. And I'm extremely proud to be, to be associated with, the, with that organization and that group of individuals. I also want to thank our partners for the just overwhelming and number of reach-outs that we received for assistance. Uh, I think as some of you guys are aware, Coke Industries was on the car with Ryan in the Daytona 500. That was their first foray into NASCAR. So pretty interesting introduction as they come in and get the emotional highs and lows in a compressed period of about 30 seconds. But when we look at what happened over the next few days with Coke Industries, Castrol, Acronis, Wyndham, Oscar Mayer, Coca-Cola, Fastenal, Fifth Third, Sunny D, and Ford, all just relentlessly giving us offers for assistance, trying to help Ryan, trying to help his family. It made us just recognize how blessed we were to have such a good partner group. Similarly, we received all sorts of reach outs from other drivers. A lot of the drivers visited Ryan, other team owners, team presidents, and just across the industry. And I do need to take a minute to give a special thanks to, to Chip Ganassi and Jim Campbell at Chevy for allowing us to put 
uh, Ross Chastain in the car. Uh, once we understood that where Ryan's condition was and it wasn't life-threatening, we obviously had to shift to try to at least make sure that we continued to, to race and had this season move forward. And so Tuesday morning, I called both Chip and Jim to ask for their permission. And I, I will tell you, they were very short conversations because both of them immediately said, you have our blessing and offered unequivocally any support that they could provide to help us through this situation. We also talked to College Racing and, and Ross's agents to put this together. And to me, we talk about NASCAR being one big family, and that was a, a pretty big testament to it, is that they, they each of them kind of put the personal above the professional, and we were in a tough situation, and it was nice to see our competitors step up and, and help us in that situation. Um, on the team front, I also do want to address any lingering criticisms of Joe Gibbs Racing. From my perspective, they did absolutely nothing wrong. They had just won the Daytona 500, which should be a celebratory time. And I know that the minute that they were informed that Ryan's situation was severe, he hadn't gotten out of the car, that they completely stopped and started praying for him. Denny came to the hospital that night. I heard from Coach Gibbs. We heard from Dave Alpern. And so we really appreciate the respect that they showed him. And it's nothing that I wouldn't expect from an organization with that integrity and that level of class. Um, lastly, and then we can get to, get to some questions, I really do want to thank the media. I received a number of emails, texts, reach outs from many of you here today that were reaching out not as news reporters but as friends and individuals generally concerned about the well-being of a member of the NASCAR community. And although we tried to do our best to get you guys updates, we fully recognize that there were a lot of gaps in those updates and that in this day and age of instant communication, social media, that there was immense pressure on most of you out there to fill those gaps with speculation, conjecture, wild theories. And the reality of it is, is the regular NASCAR reporters didn't do that. And we really appreciate the respect that you showed us and how you approached the whole situation. So with that little bit of a monologue, um, why don't we, I'm not sure. Matt, that was Steve Newmark, president yep. of Rouse Fenway uh -huh. Racing there center at Las Vegas Motor Speedway this past weekend. Uh, mm -hmm. reading, actually reading Ryan Newman's statement there. And to talk a little bit about, I know, you know, I never did think about who would step in the sixth car until probably two or three, probably a couple, probably, probably the next day. And to actually tell yeah. you, Ross Chastain's name did pop up in my head. That's my good friend. I've had him on our show multiple times. Ross is a good guy. And Ross mm -hmm. started out with J.D. Motorsports years ago. Uh, yep. A underfunded team. Then he got that he got that deal with uh, with Chip Ganassi and DC Solar there, and he had that had that good run there at Dollinger Raceway and that started since there was a few years ago. And him and Kevin uh -huh. Harvick had that altercation, and then you know the deal yep. with DC Solar, all that legal stuff went mm -hmm. went down. Yeah. But did you think Ross Chastain would even be a possibility of jumping into the six car behind Ryan Neiman? I'm going to be honest with you, Tim. I was I had him about third on my list. The first person that popped into my mind, and the reason he popped into my mind is because, you know, even though he drives for Stuart Haas's Xfinity team, he's still contracted through Ford as a Ford performance driver. I immediately thought that, hey, here's Chase Briscoe's shot right here. Here's his shot. The second one on my list, if Chase Briscoe hadn't to play out, I was leaning and looking at Austin Sendrick, you know, Ford staying in-house. But 
Ross Chastain wasn't the first person that I would have thought, but they didn't make a bad decision in my opinion. You know, Ross has shown himself to be very well capable in underfunded cars. You know, he's really just have gotten his break in some really funded equipment and really good equipment within the past couple of years. And the times that he's been in the cars or even the trucks, he's made the most of his shot. You know, when we when we initially saw it, seen it, you know, Steve and myself, we was carrying a text message conversation over, and I said, "Looks like Chastain's going into six. He said, "Not a bad choice in my opinion." I said, "Mine either." You know, he's going to get a shot in a fairly well prepared. You know, it, Ralph Fenway hasn't been up there in the past years that they have been in the past of past ten years. They fell off a little bit, but they're still good. And I'm, you know, he's. He ran well until he had that little bit of bad luck at the end of the race Sunday. He ran fairly consistent and stayed fairly well. And, you know, that's probably that race, you know, you would put in the check mark box, hey, gelling with the team, gelling, gelling with Scott Graves and uh, that team, the world they can get their communication level down. So I would expect him at Auto Club to be pretty solidly in the top ten. Yeah, most definitely there, Matt. And just to add to your point there, you had uh, mentioned the colleague racing deal there with uh, yeah. him going over there to come. And he's also running that truck there for Nice Motorsports, but he has declared the championship for the NASCAR Xfinity Series there with colleague. So he will be ineligible right. for any other championship, you know, like per the NASCAR rule book, like they changed a couple Correct. of years ago. But Correct. what? where does this put Ryan Newman? Does Ryan, in your opinion, does Ryan Newman get a waiver to come back like Kyle Busch did a few years ago at Daytona when he had that bad wreck and broke his leg and all that stuff? And NASCAR give him a waiver to come back to run for the championship. Do you um, see NASCAR I'm, give it a? Honestly, I'm about ninety nine point five percent sure he's going to get a waiver. That's Pending, right. you I know, I would, I would. I would say if he's back solidly before if he's back solidly before I'm gonna say the Pocono doubleheader. Pending how severe right. the head injury is. If he's back before the Pocono doubleheader, I'm ninety nine point five percent sure he's gonna get that waiver and he's probably already been told he's got the waiver as long as you meet your medical clearances by NASCAR and the safety team and here his medical doctors. I'm pretty sure he'll have that waiver with no problem. That's right. And, Matt, let's, uh, let's move on if we can, bro. we got a lot to talk about. Uh, oh, NASCAR yeah. sent down the the penalties there this past weekend at Las Vegas Motor Speedway for the uh, NASCAR Cup Series, NASCAR Finish Series, and uh, NASCAR getting our RV. I, I can't keep. I can't remember how to say it. That's you're not, you're not alone. <laughs> Matt, I can't keep up with it. But anyway. I, I can't either. Everything, the uh, the uh, Cup Series, the number 42 team there, and the Xfinity Series, the number 20, and the Truck Series, the number 99 team. They got uh, they got pop sections, 10.9, 10.4 tires and wheels on all three of them. Uh, the 42 crew chief, Chad Johnson, has been fined $10,000. And then the NASCAR Finish Series crew chief, Benjamin Bishore, has been fined $5,000. And then they drop it down to crew chief, Matt Norris, there has been fined $2,500 there. 
for that mm-hmm. look up penalty. And mm-hmm. Caesar and I have talked about the glugging up penalty off and on, man. I want to get your take on yeah. that. Do you yeah. think it's a little petty, or do you think they're doing the right thing? I mean, because they're charging, they're throwing these fines out left and right, and it and it seems like, you know, we just now started the twenty the twenty twenty season, but it seems like every weekend somebody's getting popped with that with that rule about the lug nuts. Do you think it's time that we sort of lay back on that, or do you think NASCAR are doing the right thing? Personally, I think it needs to be laid back a little bit. You know, I mean, granted, I see their point, you know, five off, five on, you know, from a safety standpoint, because, you know, you know, in my you know years that I've driven, I've seen instances where there would be somebody, somebody at one of the short tracks I compete at, would only have would not have all five load nuts on or not have them secured. Let's say that. And I've been behind a car before where a wheel will break off, and the car go careening, hitting the wall, flipping, whatever the case may be. I get it from a safety standpoint, but it's a little bit on the petty side. If you do ask me, I think they can lay off of it. You know, whichever tire was found to be loose, whether it be the front or the rear. I would say, you know, hey, you put that tire changer on probation. Like, hey, you need to start hitting your lug nuts, start hitting your lug nuts. Don't start popping the crew chief because the crew chief's not the one changing the tires. I've never exactly. really agreed with that, but, you know, maybe start start policing the people that do the job on the car or the truck respectively, not the one that's sitting on the box calling the shots because, say, if – Say if it's me and I come in and I'm taking four tires and my front tire changer misses one lug nut on the right front or doesn't have one lug nut secured on the right front, uh, why, was, why, should my, why should the crew chief be penalized when he doesn't even see what's happening? Now, he can see the left-hand side, no doubt, but the right-hand side, you, you see nothing that's going on. That's right. Exactly. I definitely agree with you, Matt. Matt, let's take a little quick break. Uh, number call in is 215-383-3681. Call in and ask myself about Nicholson, PA announcer at multiple tracks there. And we'll be right back <laughs> after this from uh, Nelly, this song from Nelly. We'll, we'll, we'll be right back. Y'all tune in. Take 
I'm NASCAR driver Daniel Hemrick, and you're listening to the Pit Stop Radio. We're back live from Duggan Nation. I'm Tim Spain, alongside my good friend Matt Nicholson, our PA announcer at Talladega Super Speedway. Matt, we I don't know where we need to start. We got we got the uh, truck <laughs> series there with uh, Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch has been dominant there. I mean, and Kevin Harvick actually put out a bounty. I'm pretty sure that you've seen that. Kevin Harvick put out a fifty thousand oh, yeah. dollar bounty on any driver. That could beat Kyle Busch in the uh, in the Truck Series, and my good friend Marcus Lamonis, he actually sold fifty more thousand in there. So there's a hundred thousand dollar bounty on Kyle Busch's head for somebody to win a Truck Series race <laughs> passing him. What do you think about that? I think that's pretty awesome, Bill. Personally, I think it's absolutely fantastic exposure for the Gander RV and Outdoors Truck Series. You know, I was – it was uh, Sunday, Sunday morning. It may have been Saturday. One of the days when Kevin struck it up on Twitter, and then I started, I thought, hmm, let me just keep an eye on this here. So I'm watching, watching, and then next thing you know, here's Denny Hamlin, Landon Castle, Bubba Wallace, uh, who else? Uh, 
my goodness, I, I, I don't even recall how many chimed in going, all right, what's the rules here? What's the stipulation? So uh, it's multiple. marvelous exposure. Oh, it was more fin- more fingers than I've got, I think. There was several. Uh, I think it's fantastic exposure for the truck series, but if it was me and if I'm, if I'm in Marcus Lamontis' shoes, let's say well, so we know they can't do it during the triple truck challenge, and most of college – uh, actually, I take it back. They can't do it at Richmond. Denny Hamlin was begging to do it at Richmond, but they can't because of the triple truck challenge rules. And Richmond's one of the triple truck races. So I'm That's betting right. probably if I'm if I'm a betting man, Kansas Speedway's truck race is probably going to be loaded down. The second point is, if I'm Marcus Lamonis and I've got this money put up, what I do for my regular series competitors is if they beat Kyle outright in a bounty race, I'd double that $100,000 for our truck series race. I would make it 200000 But, you know, it's probably when this, when this race does happen, I would be willing to bet that this is going to be a highly, highly televised race, probably the highest televised race of ratings on, that Fox Sports has ever had. I would definitely agree, Matt. And let me throw this scenario on there. See what you think about this. What if we do it mm-hmm. at Eldor Dirt and have that be the boom, 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 $100,000? That would even be more awful. Well, you would have – I could go ahead and tell you if that was the case, you would have – and on the entry list, you would have to have – you would have Austin Dillon, Ty Dillon, Clint Boyer, Ricky Stenhouse, Christopher Bell, uh, you know, names of that nature would be on the entry list because they would be wanting to go for that hundred grand. Because the probably the top five places in the payout of Eldor probably doesn't pay a hundred thousand dollars total. So Eldora would be a prime place to do it, and you know, somebody like Tony Stewart that promotes his races to the level that Eddie Gossage does. I could see that legitimately happening. Yeah, I just want to throw that out there, man. I mean, just just a thought that popped in my head, like like everything to you two. But anyway, man, let's let's go on with the show. Let's listen to uh, Las Vegas Motor Speedway there. Uh, uh, Kyle Busch and Danny Stockman there, the truck winners this past weekend at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Uh huh. All right, we're going to continue with our post-race um, interviews this ap- or this evening, I should say, with our race winner, Kyle Busch, driver of the number 51 Cessna Toyota, and his race-winning crew chief, Danny Stockman. This is Kyle's um, 57th victory in 151 Gander Outdoors Truck Series races. So, congratulations, guys. Um, we'll take questions for Kyle or Dan- Danny. If you have one, please raise your hand. State your name and affiliation, and who would like to kick us off? Cool. Bye. All right. We're going to start in the back. Davey Siegel with Front Stretch right here, Kyle. Um, Numbers-wise, in your seven wins, you've led 73% of the laps. That's 726 of 989. Does it feel that easy to you in the car? I mean, those numbers are pretty astounding. 
Uh, I mean, we certainly worked really, really hard. Uh, it wasn't like we unloaded and knew that we had a great piece and that we were just going to go out there and dominate like that. We work for it. They, these guys do. Uh, all the preparation at the shop comes a long way um, with, with Danny, with, with Rudy, with Hillman, um, you know, the guys we've had in the past as well, too. So um, it's just been really, really cool, the, the equipment that we have going right now. Um, and then, obviously, just uh, the talent also that we have right now. Our, our groups of guys, the, the core of them, have been together now for a long time, and it's nice to, to keep some some familiarity around KBM uh, with the faces that are there and, and bring in some experience like Stockman here to be able to uh, help facilitate growing uh, the 51 team to a, to a top-notch team. All right. Go ahead. This is Johnny Crane of KLJX LP Flagstaff. My question is for you, Kyle. You have a history here of winning in your hometown no matter what series you play. Do these wins resonate more with you, or is it just business as usual and just another day at the track? I mean, it, it does mean a little bit more, but um, you still got to treat it as though it's, it's business as usual. I mean, we travel so much and we go to so many different racetracks every single week that, um, you know, being able to, to, go to, the to go to the Daytona 500 and race that race as any other race and not race it like there's butterflies in your stomach or you're nervous or the this or the that, uh, that's why you kind of got it. And same thing with the championship race. When you get to the Final Four and you have that championship race, having any sort of nerves is, is going to back you up. So, um, you know, it's all about trying to keep calm, stay cool, and, um, and do what's what you need to do. And uh, same thing goes for the home track here. And even last night in the late model race, you know, I hadn't been in one of them things in a long, long time. And it was cool to uh, be able to come back and, and win that race as well, too. All right, we'll come up front. Chris and Edder both have questions. Jim Utter, motorsport.com. For Danny or Kyle, whichever one of you feels better to answer this, but I had a new tire this weekend that's going to be used in all three series. Some people had some cording problems. Did you guys have any uh, experience, any problems tonight? And I have a follow-up for Danny. Go ahead, brother. No, um, there was obviously some wear. Uh, we, we, we ran a tire similar to this uh, last year in the Cup Series, so I kind of knew that we would have some issues like this. And um, I think our truck turned well enough to where it didn't wear the, the left front tire out like a lot of people. So um, we did not have any issues. And uh, Danny, would follow up. Uh, this was your first race at the racetrack. Uh, I mean, you've been working at the shop, but what did it feel like to get a race under your belt? Well, we were actually in Daytona last week, but um, you know, it's a- uh, First one with the boss, how about that? Yeah, I mean, it's. I told Kyle, it's like I was zero to hero in a, in a week, you know, or a couple months, and um, it's awesome to have this opportunity to get, you know, it, it, being a crew chief, it's about having high enough stock, right? And there's a lot of people that like to have my job, and you just got to fight hard every day, and um, the opportunity that Kyle's given me, we're going to take make the most of it, and... Uh, Crew chiefs don't make drivers. Drivers make crew chiefs. So um, it's pretty going to be pretty fun. I, I think it goes both ways. But um, we've got some cool talent coming in the 51 this year with Christian, or not Christian, with Chandler. And, um, you know, hopefully these two will put on a good show. Well, man, that was Kyle Bush there and Danny Stockman Jr. Mm -hmm. in the media center at Los Angeles Speedway after Kyle won another truck race there. And I know we've mm -hmm. already talked about, you know, the – the uh, bounty and everything, but uh, 
Yeah. Is yep. it, can anybody stop Kyle Busch in the truck series? I know NASCAR has limited the uh, the upper tier series drivers, the Monster Energy. I won't say Monster Energy. The NASCAR Cup <laughs> Series drivers from driving limited yeah. schedules there in the truck. Is is there anybody there that I mean? What did we? I mean, Kyle Busch is unstoppable, Matt. He's there's no doubt and no question, Tim. He's got the top flight level equipment in the truck series garage. There's no arguing that. I'm not going to say he he's he's got some of the top. Let me rephrase that, because as the saying goes, anybody can be beaten on any given Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, or even a Thursday. But That's if right. There's any one team that that I could put my finger on that could knock him off of his streak and off of his perch when we see him on the entry list. I'm not going to say it's going to be one any given driver. I'm going to I'm going to put it on a team and I'm going to say that's GMS. GMS has probably got the neck right there neck and neck with him equipment level wise. And if there's anybody that's going to knock him off of his perch, it's going to be somebody from GMS. And if I had to look at one specific driver, it's going to be Brett Moffitt. That's a good choice, bro. That's a very good choice. I did not think, you know, Brett Moffitt was with, uh, like you said, GMS there, and uh, mm-hmm. Scott Zipidelli, uh, I think, is yeah. still his crew chief, right? Uh, no, Scott Zipidelli's with Austin Hill at Hattori. Brett Moffitt, uh, Brett oh, Moffitt's okay. got a new crew chief because because Jerry Baxter left to go to the forty three car. Thank you for thank you mm-hmm. for correcting. Thank you for correct. Yeah, <laughs> and let's uh, uh, Matt, let's move right along. Let's go to the NASCAR Xfinity Series. There, uh, Chase Briscoe. He won. He like you mentioned earlier. You was talking about Brett, uh, Chase Briscoe. Let's see what he is saying to me. Center there at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. To our final post race availability of this weekend, we've now been joined by our race winner, driver of the number ninety eight Ford Performance. Racing School Ford, Chase Briscoe, and his race-winning crew chief, Richard Boswell, and today's um, Boyd Gaming 300. So, congratulations, guys. Yeah, thank you. That was worth the rain delay, right? <laughs> yeah, it definitely makes it a lot better when you win, that's for sure. <laughs> that's right. All right, we'll take questions. For Chase, if you have one, please raise your hand, state your name and affiliation, and we'll start up front with Lee. Richard, what I think I, I find really impressive about this kid is that he's won on a road course, he's won on a short track, and now he's won on an intermediate track. Uh, the way he's gotten up to speed so quickly and, you know, just acclimated to the different styles, I think is what I've found most impressive. Would you agree? Yeah, from a on-track standpoint, absolutely. I think the, the one thing that, you know, a lot of people don't get to see is just the humbleness that comes with him and, uh, his positive attitude and his way to relate to all the guys and sponsors and just everybody. Um, so from an off-track standpoint, that that's probably what impresses off-track and on-track. That's what I'm most impressed with is just his ability to relate with people. Um, and but on-track, you're you're you hit the nail on the head. It's he's he's good everywhere. Justin Schuler kicking the tires. Um, Chase, uh, first off, congratulations. And Thank second you. off, um, I know it's early in the season, but with this win, you take over the points lead. Uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's so early, but definitely it's nice to, to get a win early. Um, 
you know, I think obviously we, we were hoping that we could get a win at some point through the year, and we expected to, but to get it before Phoenix definitely is nice just because we can go there and kind of try some stuff um, because I feel like I definitely that's one place we need to get way better at. So uh, with that being said, yeah, it's nice to take the point lead. It's, I mean, it doesn't mean as much uh, this early in the season, like you said, but yeah, it's good confidence booster for all the guys, and you know it goes a long way when you're that first garage stall with with your guys and their work ethic and everything else. And you know we we knew that we could go win races, but to you know get one this early in the year, I think it'll go a long way, especially on this West Coast swing. It's hard to stay motivated, and for us to, to win the first one, that definitely goes a long way. Like I said. All right, go ahead. And Matt, that was Chase Briscoe, their driver of the right. Stuart Haas racing car there in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, and he mentioned there in his question posed there about the uh, the, the West Coast swing deal. And, you know, you and I, mm-hmm. we hadn't had time to really talk about that, but as far as the yeah. logistics, do you know anything yeah. about how – we know how the cup cars work. They, they have somebody – they have two or three drivers there, and Chase Briscoe mentioned that West Coast swing there. But uh-huh. you got the West Coast swing with the Xfinity Series, the Cup Series. Just how hard is this going to be on the team since NASCAR has moved the Foes of Honor Quick Trip 500 from the second race of the season to after the West Coast swing? And I think they did it to avoid weather. But yeah, what's your take on that, brother? For the sake of Atlanta, let's, let's start out saying that. For the sake of Atlanta Motor Speedway, I think it was fantastic moving them back because I've been to I've been to I think twelve or thirteen different event weekends at Atlanta Motor Speedway, and I absolutely, outside of Talladega being my hands down all time favorite, will be until the end of time. Atlanta's probably my second favorite racetrack. Out you know, it, up until we took over Darlington, which I now adore Darlington. But Atlanta's right there, one of my favorite ones. And Atlanta dealing with the weather issues that they had to deal with for the time that they had to deal with it. They didn't deserve it because when Atlanta has great weather and they can get a crowd out there, Atlanta's hands down got some of the best mile-and-a-half racing, if not the best mile-and-a-half racing, on the entire circuit, Xfinity and Cup, in my opinion. I've not seen a bad race at Atlanta Motor Speedway in recent memory. It was good for them, but for the West Coast swing, you know, there's been times that Steve and I went back and forth dealing with West Coast swing. I still don't understand some logistic side of it because if you're making a West Coast swing, make your West Coast swing earlier in the year. You know, you've got Vegas, Auto Club, and Phoenix. Why don't you go ahead and throw Sonoma in there? And then when you get Sonoma done, you backtrack through, you go to Texas on your way back over to the East Coast. Keep it more regional to where you're not putting such a strain on the teams and especially the hauler drivers. I'm you know, I'd love to shake everyone's hand and say, appreciate the job y'all do guys. Because, you know, when they make this West Coast swing, they're they're gone for three to four weeks on the West Coast because I think if I had to use a percentage I'm going to say probably 75% of the teams keep their main primary haulers on the West Coast. They send backup haulers, test haulers, et cetera, to meet the, meet the teams at a certain given point 
and do a car swap. But moving Atlanta back, I think, was fantastic. I think the you know Atlanta ha- dealing with weather issues, whether it be in rain, cold, et cetera, it has hurt their crowd. And anybody would say that that has hurt their crowd. But I think it's going to increase their crowd. I would say ten to fifteen percent more. And they was probably I'm going to say seventy five percent the last few races I've been for a cup race. That's right, Mike. And Suzanne and I, we have attended the Atlanta race there probably the past, oh gosh, five or six years. And like you said, you never know what you're going to get. You got sun, you got rain, you got storms. I remember, I think it was two years ago, Suzanne and I left the hotel there. And uh, where did we stay? I think it was, it wasn't Hampton. It was right outside of Hampton anyway. We left the hotel going to the track and when we were headed to, headed to the track, man, I mean, there was just super duper. The oh, wind yeah. was blowing. We we seen the power go out, and Suzanne said, "What do you want to do?" I said, "Well, let's just keep on going to the trap, go over and see what to get." And we got over there, yeah. and that was one of my races that I did a live broadcast from. Stephen Wilson was uh-huh. in Richmond, and we and we did a live broadcast, man. And yeah. right about. I don't know, five or ten minutes before they were going to do the invocation, the sun come out. And I'm oh, like, yeah. my goodness, what, you know, what, what work? It you know, I've never seen it. And then, yeah. and then we got that going, done the live radio broadcast. I sent Stephen Wilson there, uh, com pictures. We got the live broadcast out. We done that. Went to the media center, went to the press box. And right, right about, I think it was like right, at, it wasn't three seconds after the green flag dropped there for the Foes of Honor Quick Trip 500, the bottom fell out. And that's just unreal. Yeah. I mean, you know, and like, like you said, Matt, I'm glad that NASCAR has moved Atlanta to after the West Coast swing. I think that's going to leave for a better attendance, if I could say mm-hmm. that. And yeah. You know, I think it's a big move. I, I do, too. You know, talking about the times and, you know, you and Suzanne's encounter weather, probably my two biggest – I've got three big extremes from weather from there. 2006 was my first race over there, and it was when it was in March. I decided that I was going to pull the triple header. I was going to hit all three races. On Sunday, of all – getting ready to see the big show, everything was great. It was colder than all get out that day. I don't even think the temperature got above freezing. And then it started a little little bit of freezing rain, and then it started snowing, and they called it and delayed it until Monday. First time I've been at a racetrack where it was snowing. It was 2013 when they just had come out with Gen 6 car. When the race was on Labor Day weekend, probably hands down the heaviest thunderstorm I have ever seen in my existence sets up over Atlanta Motor Speedway. And we thought we heard the sirens going off, and just it was come to find out it was just a severe thunderstorm warning siren going off, and it was not a tornado warning. That was the heaviest thunderstorm I've ever seen, and the race got delayed. I think it was probably two, three hours before the race even got started. Then the year after that went back, and it was hotter than 
it literally felt like heat that used to be at Talladega when the race was in July. Just weather extreme to the to the all get out, but hopefully with them moving this race back to March like they've done it, it will stabilize it out and make it better to where Atlanta sees upticks in the crowds, like we said. Amen, brother. Definitely agree. And uh, folks, I want to let y'all know uh, I'm Tennis Payne alongside of uh, Matt Nicholson there, PA announcer for mm-hmm. multiple tracks there. Matt, we're going to jump out of here. I want to let you, I want to give you the opportunity to let everybody know if they can follow you at on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and let everyone know about the Championship Racing Network here on Thunder 927, brother. You got the floor. All right. Yeah. If you uh, check us out for the radio, for our radio show, the Championship Racing Network, you can find us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash championship racing network. We are on Twitter and Instagram as well at the handle CRN Radio US. Uh, we have a website as well, and the website address for that is crnradio.us. That is our main show website. And uh, for anybody that wants to, I'm constantly talking about motorsports, you know, whether it's NASCAR, IndyCar, the Formula One series, any fans of that right there, you can follow me on my personal page as well um, on Facebook. As well, if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, uh, at Matt Nicholson 10 is my personal pages. But, uh, yeah, you know, as we said, start the show. Uh, anybody wants to tune in to our show on Saturday mornings on WTDR 92.7, we kick off at 7 a.m. every Saturday and go to 9 a.m. Barring any Auburn athletics, because WTDR is an Auburn affiliate, sometimes if we have Auburn interfering, we have to bump up from 6 to 8. But uh, every week, normally, when there's no Auburn interference, we're at 7 to 9 a.m. Matt, war damn league. <laughs> I got them sitting on the computer right now watching the basketball game myself. <laughs> I heard that. Again, thanks. Thanks, brother. And just like Matt said, yeah, tune into all that. And, uh, Matt, thank you very much for joining us. We're going to sign off live from Talladega, Alabama. I'm Tim Spain alongside of Matt Nicholson. Thank you for everybody listening, and we will talk to you next Tuesday evening live from the man cave here at Talladega. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm.